0: Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Martin Walters. My guest today is a close friend of mine. He serves his local church as a lay evangelist and he's also a writer who has published a few articles in the local newspapers. Tyrone Bernard, welcome to Upward Way.
1: Thank you, uh, Brother Walters. And uh... Good afternoon or morning, whatever it is, to those on AWR, Adventist World Radio. And good afternoon to those in the future who will be listening to this or viewing this. And may your heart be blessed as we hope that God will speak to you even through this interview.
0: And let me say a big thank you for taking the time out of what I know is your busy schedule to share with us your testimony today. Tarun. I know you have not always been, I would say a person of faith as in terms of a baptized member of the church, but what was the turning point in your own experience? As in what it is that caused you to say, you know what, it's time to give my life to Jesus.
1: After one lives 26 years, then you begin to figure out a few things about life. One thing, is that life is a challenge and you need somebody on your side to fight the battles of life. Well, I was born, Tyrone Bernard, in Portland, a rural parish um, in Jamaica. Jamaica, the land of Usain Bolt and the land of uh, reggae music, if you're wondering. So I was born in Portland, came to uh, the, the city at roundabout, age four. That was the first time I got introduced to Adventism. My great-grandmother was an Adventist. And after about a few years, I got baptized, going to church a few years, I got baptized. Around about age 13, which everyone knows is the challenging years of life. In high school, I decided that This thing was too binding. It was holding me down. I, I wanted to be free. I wanted to explore the world. So I found strategies how to not go to church. Bad choice. Anyway, I left the church at age 13, or the church left me at age 13. And through a series of mishaps, which is what life hands you, through a series of mishaps, I found myself contemplating whether or not this was the life outside of Christ was what I really wanted. And the answer came to me, no, I wanted to be in a family setting, which the church provides. I wanted wanted comfort. I wanted to be at peace. And it was in the church at age 26 that I found out that Jesus Christ brings us peace. And that is where I've been for the past 14 years.
0: Wow, so your life is lived in, in segments of teens, you know. <laughs> at 30 there was a departure, then 13 years after, there was a return. And then it's already 14 years since you have been on this journey. Yes. You spoke about, you know, I would say feeling restricted at different points in your life. So, post your teenage years, you know, when you returned uh, as an adult, you know, what would have been, let's say, some of the earlier challenges that you had? keeping yourself grounded in the faith?
1: One of the greatest challenges that anyone can face is people-centered. Anywhere you find two persons for a long enough period of time, then you'll find difficulties, challenges, because people are people and people are selfish. The initial challenge that I had was with people. Break it down. You're talking about when I entered the church, aren't you?
0: Yes, but you can answer from a twofold perspective. So you can speak first to the challenges as a would say a babe of the faith. And if you want Mm to add other challenges, then you can go on that. Okay,
1: I found out a, a couple of years ago that when I came in the church, there were people who were saying he won't be here for long. He will soon go. And I'm glad that God revealed that to me when I was a bit more mature in the faith. Because that is something that can break someone. As a matter of fact, many people have been broken by words that people say. And please, if you're listening to this, please don't allow someone's perspective of you to define you. Rather, allow God's perspective of you to define you. Uh, There have been other challenges, uh, challenges like how do I, after wasting 13 years, how do I start my education? How do I get back on track? And that was a challenge. It was only after meeting my wife that that came into focus. Uh, Choosing the right person was also a challenge but I'm sure you'll you want to delve into that so I won't precede your, <laughs> your queries. But there, there are challenges in the Christian faith because someone once said that Satan doesn't stone green fruits. You always uh, choose the ripe ones to cast his temptation, cast his stones at.
0: There are two things that I'm going to um, pounce on. So you said that there were members who give you a timeline, you know, when a person is sick and they go to the doctor sometimes, if it's something that is terminal, you know, the doctor, you have a few months, a few years. So there were persons who, <laughs> you know, cast a prognosis on you. You won't be around it for much longer. I mean, what could it have been, you know, about you about your life that would cause them to think that, hey, Tyrone Bernard will not be here for much longer. Is that work? Someone dreadful? <laughs> uh,
1: Paul says, Christ Jesus came to die for sinners of whom I am chief. I've always seen myself as a bad person. Granted, I, I didn't pull the trigger off a gun. Um, I didn't, you know, assault anybody or, or, or anything like that. But I had a business where I was selling marijuana. I did things that my grandmother, Let me put it like this. My grandmother would have scoffed at, and she probably would have slapped me. I put it like that. Because the contrast is what really matters to me. I was a boy, a nice boy growing up with great promise. And I found myself in places uh, selling marijuana, transporting marijuana on buses. Looking back, how could I have done such a thing? I question. But the answer has always been a man without Christ. Is capable of any evil act. I saw myself as somebody repulsive. I saw myself as somebody who needed to change, but without any answers to the questions of life. He didn't know how to change, and that is where Christ was absolutely trumps for me.
0: I want you to re-echo that point about a man without Christ, just for emphasis. Could you just say that one more time? A
1: man without Christ is capable of
0: any and every evil act. I hope the audience has gotten that. A man without Christ is capable of every and any evil act. And and that is something that is very powerful because, you know, especially since, you know, the, the start of 2022, we have heard of so many atrocities globally. And many of them involve youth. You know, youth are the ones carrying out these acts and they are actually perpetuating the, these acts on young people, you know, families, old persons. So it is very profound that you said that. Now, as I hark back to the whole idea of, you know, challenges, as you mentioned in the faith, I look at, you know, those who have been closest to God in the Bible, those who are closest to God. Their lives would have been some of the most difficult. So, you think of someone like a King David, someone like Joseph, Moses, you know, Paul the Apostle, their life (laughs) were no bed of rose life. It was very difficult. So, when we face hardships in life, sometimes we can contextualize those things to say, you're not the only (laughs) sheep in the flock having difficulty finding green grass. Now, in terms of investment, you know, how do you actively? pursue your own spiritual growth. And before you answer, um, just for the audience, in case you may hear uh, this infant, you know, Brother Bernard has a young family. And as you can imagine, with young children, they are excited when their parents are involved in ministry. So bear if you hear any of them in the background. Yes, you can go ahead and answer just now.
1: I, I must pause for a moment before uh, answering this. How does one maintain their spirituality? That's what I'm hearing when you ask that. First of all, Bible study. I don't know what it is like in in, in other parts of the world, but in Jamaica, Adventists are known as people of the book. That is the Bible. We study, we, we are able to talk about things that other denominations can never, ever touch. So Bible study is important. If the Bible is God's word to us, it is important that we read, and reading is becoming a dying tradition in many households, many homes right across the world. We have forgotten how to read, and my encouragement is get back. You have to study God's word. The fountain of truth flows from God's word. Jesus said, search the scripture. For in them you think you have life. But, and these are they which testify of me. We must, we must get in contact with Jesus through the study of the word. Uh, the second thing that I do do to maintain my spiritual, spirituality is hearing, hearing the word. How important it is to go and tell. We were commanded, we were, we were told to go and tell the world about this good news. My experience is that there are a lot of people who are suffering. They want to hear an encouraging word. What better encouraging word than that Jesus saves, than that Jesus takes away your sins, that Jesus frees the soul. That's good news. And and in telling people about this Jesus, in telling people about what God says, then we are repeating truth and we're repeating it, we're repeating it, After a while, it begins to set in us. So that way you hear yourself saying something on many occasions, you begin to believe it. And there's a a psychology behind it, which I'm sure you can explore by asking Google. That's what we do these days. The other thing that I do uh, to maintain my spirituality is nature. If you hear a few birds in the background, they are just singing the goodness of God. I stay connected with nature to understand some of the truths of God, because God did speak those beings into
0: existence. And as you touch on nature, you know the the, the Psalm Psalm 19 tells us that the mm-hmm. heavens declare the glory of God, the glory of God. Mm-hmm. and the firmament shows His handiwork. As we spend time in nature, there yes. is more about God. And so, even for persons who live in the city, you know, if you go to many developed places, you know there's always at least a park that person oh, yeah. go to. I remember when I, um, in my young adult, adult years, and I went to university and person where are you from, that kind of thing. And I will share where I'm from. And they say, where's that? You know, it's somewhere in the thicket of the bushes or it's somewhere deep, rural Jamaica. At points I used to wonder, how do I respond? But then I, I found a very good response. I said, you know, when God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in a garden, you know, <laughs> not in a concrete jungle. Yes. And from then on, I started to appreciate more where I'm from. So I, I, I did that to come to the next question. You know, when individuals uh, experience, let, let's say, uh, rejection in life, or they are part of the fellowship of faith, But they they don't get the embrace that they should, you know. As someone would have experienced something similar, you know, what are some points that you could share with those individuals to to cause them to have the assurance that even though human elements are scared and discouraged, God is always asking us, you know, to come to him. What are some points of encouragement you could share to someone who might be struggling because we are not feeling embraced by the body of believers.
1: I said earlier that
0: people are people
1: wherever you go. The enemy is the enemy wherever we go. And Christ is Christ. And he changes not. And for that, I'm glad. Everywhere, including the church, life is filled with anxiety and emotional distress and catastrophe of all kinds. We have to endure despair on many levels. It is a challenge. People can break you, people can break you till you feel like you cannot be mended again. But God specializes in putting broken things back together. Didn't he say in scripture that he is the potter? He did. And of course, God always comes through. He always comes through. He is always there to pick you up. I guess that's why the scripture says that all things work for good. People in church, will get at you. As a matter of fact, you will get at people. You will offend people. People will offend you. But how do I react to this? Do I then throw in the towel and say say that uh, this is not worth it? Please don't throw in the towel. Because God put challenging people in our way in order to make us better people, believe it or not. As a matter of fact, I've been married now for the past six years and it is through interactions with my wife that I have learned to appreciate people. First thing, people are different than you. They see things differently. Iron sharpness, iron is what the scripture says because we'll offend each other. I've offended my wife many times. She has offended me many times. And the truth is, when someone offends you, it's not time to throw in the towel to discard that person. Sometimes the people who offend you need a little bit of love. And so you get to exercise love. That's why God used the, the marriage relationship to teach us a number of things. As a matter of fact, he used many different family uh, ties to teach us things. The Bible says that Jesus is our brother. Uh, the Bible also uses the, mother, uh, the mother-child relationship. The Bible also uses the father-child relationship. Through scripture, which is why I always talk about scripture, through scripture, we learn how to deal with people. The recommendation is search the scripture because there are important things in, in, in there that will help us to deal with people.
0: Amen. Search for scriptures because that is... Yes you'll find the answers. And as you talk about family life, you know, family life, that is, you know, one verse of the Bible. And I'm just going to paraphrase, I I can't quote verbatim, but the the part that would apply more to you is that, you know, whosoever findeth a wife, you know, findeth a good thing. And I say thing in quotation. So that journey to family life, you know, could you just walk us along that path? You choose which direction you start from.
1: I, I am glad. I am absolutely glad that you, you asked that question. And here's why. It is because I believe that, and, and for the young people, I believe that God will supply all your needs, inclusive of, inclusive of the need for a spouse, believe it or not. My story with my wife, uh, started with me turning down an invitation to do uh, what we refer to as Bible work. So I, w- I was in a meeting and I was a, 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 a young elder and it was an evangelistic series in Clarksville. That's, that's in the district where I was from. I didn't want to go and do Bible study. So I, I made many excuses. But pastors being as, as uh, convincing as they, they, they usually are, he convinced me to go. So I, I went. I was qualified to perform as a Bible worker. That is somebody who works in conjunction with the, the preacher to win some soul, souls in a special event. So I, I didn't want to go. But I, I did go. And I spoke with the preacher. Who is Pastor Sadiqi Beckford, if you're wondering? And he asked me, "Uh, do you have somebody you're dating at this time? (laughs) And I said, no. I was a a 30-year-old young man uh, budding in the faith. And I was just getting ripe. I was just getting ready to pursue with vigor um, any female who would make themselves, make their status known, their single status known he asked me and I I told him no I don't have somebody that I'm dating at this time the 19th question that I first spoke with her he handed me the phone that's the preacher, Pastor Sadiki Beckford handed me the phone honestly believe me when I tell you that the Holy Spirit works and helps anyone even in the pursuit of a spouse Brother Walters When I was speaking to her on the phone, I couldn't say anything wrong. The words flowed from my lips, pure poetry, to the fact that I'm sure she was convinced that this would be her husband. I'm not lying. When I finished speaking with her, I was sure that that this could be something big. So uh, I invited her on a date from that point. And it, it, it was basically free flowing from there. God led us from uh, singleness to marriage. Then he led us from marriage to a first child, from first child to a second child. And I'm sure that God has other plans. Let me say that again, the better way that God has even bigger plans for us.
0: I know you're trying to, you know, cut the story so it, it doesn't take forever, but this. There- yes. So many things, you know, that you just uncovered. And just in case the audience missed it, you know, he said he was Bible work. So that's to accompany the lay evangelist or the pastor, whoever it is that is leading out with the evangelistic outreach. So they will go door to door, house to house, lane to lane, just to conduct Bible study with whoever showed an interest. And as he says, you know, the, the pastor through the Holy Spirit, press on him to make sure you do what you have been trained to do, and then the important point, as it relates to his blessing, the pastor said, you know what? Let me play the role of a matchmaker, you know. I see that he could benefit. So sometimes we go to these different sites. How about just connecting with a local pastor, you know, a spiritual leader? He might be able to connect you with that future spouse. So when you say even, whatever it is that we pursue, it's important to involve God in all of it. Speaking about, you know, poetry and so on, before you touch on that, because I will allow you to share some of the insights into some of the things you write. So, separate and apart from the Bible, you know, what book or books have you read that would have had maybe the greatest impact on your life? So, not just the spiritual impact, but your life as a whole. What book or books have you read that would have had the greatest impact on you? The book.
1: Steps to Christ. I believe there was a miracle in me being given one of those books. Uh, I was standing in the pastor's area, the the, the pastor's vestry, and I looked at my, my my foot, and there was a great controversy. Not a great controversy. The steps to Christ there at my foot, and being somebody who is black conscious, it sat well with me when I realized that. The book Steps to Christ had on a black Jesus on the cover. I I don't know where that book came from. I have never seen one before or after, but it had a black Jesus on it. So I took up the book, and the first word appealed to me nature. The first word in the book Steps to Christ is nature. And I read that book. And it led me to other great books by L.N.G. White, such as *The Great Controversy*. You should read that book uh, from cover to cover. Uh, Patriots and prophets, prophets and kings, and other transcripts by by L.N.G. White. And basically, those books gave me what I needed to want to pursue more after this God who I'm sure I can't find out everything about God, but I will, will continue to read Ellen G. White's book, who I believe was inspired on, on matters of her writing.
0: As we continue, uh, this would be, let see, the nice part of the interview where Brother Tyrone shares with us you know, his, I, w- I would say his journey into writing and I, I choose to say writing before I say author because um he hasn't published the grand project just yet so this is just a b- disclaimer in case person might be saying you know, how is it that I'm talking about an author and he has not yet published but he has had at least two articles but I'm familiar with that been published in the local paper and I know he has been writing poems from way back in high school and Incidentally, we were in high school together. And I recall during our final year, we had a very good teacher. Her name is Terrellon, And she, as is, is typical of Jamaican teachers, you know, who teach English language, English literature, you had to be very specific. And so sometimes we'd joke around in class and we would seem as if, you know, we're not so serious. And I remember once, can't remember if it was a poem, and when the teacher came back to class, you know, she singled out. These young men would do a in class. The expectation would be that they were being singled out to be chastised, but they were singled out because of the quality of what they had produced. So I am saying this so that persons who may be, you know, scoffing in their minds, this is someone who really has a knack for writing. So, Brother Tarwin, I just spoke about you know, high school and your writing journey. Where did it start? When did it start? How did it start?
1: I, I take you back to high school. There was a certain guy and, uh, who liked a certain young lady. And, of course, uh, the guy knew that I was capable of putting a few words together. Maybe that's how I, I describe it back then. And he, he asked me to uh, write a love letter to the girl for him. I'm not sure how, if he got the girl or, or what happened after that, but that was the the, first, the earliest memory of uh, writing that that I can remember. And of course, after I left school, I was on my own, basically. There was no God in the picture. I, I had to find a way of, of, of getting out the frustration, of writing out my emotions. So I, I started to uh, play around with the book. Uh, I got a serious liking for writing. I would sit up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I would write, knowing that I was just practicing. And after doing that for a number of years, uh, when I came into the church, it was a bit, it was a different terreno a different a different uh, topic that I should be writing about. It was a bit
0: challenging at first so before you came into the church, you know what, what was let's say the theme you're writing as you said there I was a shift
1: <laughs> as, as you asked that question, I have an ungodly song in my mind that I wrote, and in the best interest of the the, the audience. I will not repeat the words, but I used to write songs because I thought that being a a DJ, a disc jockey or an artist is what I would do. So I would write songs and I was becoming very good at it. But the only thing was that the nature of these songs was not something that God would be proud about. So I stopped writing those songs and focused more on writing spiritual stuff.
0: In essence, your lyrics would have been derogatory.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They were awfully derogatory. So this uh, poem that I'm about to do is called Our Author God. It depicts God as a writer, a writer of the most splendid kind. It goes like this. God writes a moon and places it in the Woodford sky while he writes a summer and wrings it bone dry. He writes a poem and calls it an ocean shore, editing the landscape with a heavy downpour. God inks a bright sun along the mountain ridge, a horizon that kisses the clouds' little lips. He writes in block capitals, a brook, by a brook and a poem of trees on the earth as a book, God writes a bird with a chirp on the limb of a tree, and a gentle wind on canvas not able to be seen. I read his stanzas in calm upon the river bed, and study his artistry of lilies white and roses red. God wrote a sun upon a wooden cross and an education of a world once broken and twice lost. He wrote time and we watch lostness diminish as God's son, Jesus Christ, said, it is finished. So that was our author God. I speak much of my grandmother Because I believe, looking back now, I see where my grandmother, the relationship with my grandmother actually prepared me for 2022. I miss her really. I miss her much. And the only way I could uh, get in touch with those feelings is by writing the poem called I Loved and Miss My Grandma. I loved my grandma the way I loved the Sabbath mornings, the way I loved to watch the peculiarity of a sunrise at the day's brand new dawning. I loved my grandma the way I loved beautiful little flower-filled gardens, the way I loved that I love use fresh off the lips every single morning. I loved my grandma like fresh-cut sentiments that stemmed from the heart, like the candid hello when a love has returned after long being apart. Loved her like emotions new after many years of pondering along the mind, like a glass of lonely, long unfermented, and now becomes tempered wine. I loved grandma like I loved porridge made of cornmeal love or rice or like a dinner void of protein, but with love it all sufficed. Or as a superhero with ladle, spoon, a smile would never ever wore a cape, but would show her unmatched power when she bake a birthday cake. Therefore, I miss my grandma. I miss my grandma like the very, the very way kisses miss expectant lips, or like the arms that would catch you in mid if ever you should sleep. I miss her like hearts wrenched apart after years of holding tight, the way a boy of three years old misses a hug and a lovely story and the softest kiss. Good night.
0: Wow, oh, the only thing I can say is just, wow, you know, remarkable. So what are writing? Is it life experiences? Is it things that happen in, um, let's say, in the world, in the society? What inspires the different themes?
1: There are some emotions that are too great to keep inside. If you keep those emotions inside... Uh, you would explode. That's, that's how I, I feel sometimes. So the, the, the theme of love, I allow it to build up and then it, it comes out as poetry. So love inspires me. Uh, I'm black conscious. Therefore, I pay attention to the George Floyd situation, the Breonna Taylor situation. And various different situations of, of black marginalization throughout the world, I take it in and I let it out in poetry. Sometimes the, the feelings, I feel so overwhelmed by the love that God has for me. To be honest, the only thing I can, can do is cry. When I realize just how much God loves for me. So sometimes it comes out through tears. At other times, it comes out in poetry. Those are are basically the the themes. And and I I like a good old Jamaican feeling, uh, talking about a a young man who likes to go to the bush, and that young man falls in love, and he carries a bunch of roses for the girl, but the only thing the the bunch of roses has on the roots on it, (laughs) and stuff like that. I like the good old Jamaican feel and a part of Jamaican culture as well as Louis Bennett. And I, I tend to borrow from that, that uh, era, the, that good time of Jamaican writing.
0: Yeah, so in essence, you, you like the, just pointing a term, you know, the organic aspect of life. So when I say organic, as you talk about this gentleman wanting to show his appreciation for this young lady, you know, so he just uproots. <laughs> something beautiful. <laughs> without... Only a
1: writer could have said it like, like you, you did uh, Brother Walters.
0: It's something I'm considering, but, you know, as God allows and as my discipline comes up, but this is your show, so let's <laughs> be focused. <laughs> I know you have intentions, you know, to publish. And yes. when persons hear of publishing, they usually, you know, ask, you know, what's the date? And I am asking not because I necessarily want to ask, but, you know, for the sake of the audience, someone might have listened. And one of two things, they may look forward to having a soft or a hard copy of your work in their hands. Or they may want to help, you know, with, let's say, editing, let's say publishing, whatever the capacity. So I I assume you are going through the editing phase just as we speak. So is there a tentative date in mind for publication?
1: As a matter of fact, I, I do. Uh, the thing is, I've had a couple of dates before, but for reasons beyond my control, it has not happened. But I, I am looking at uh, around November, December, uh, that you may have it, so to pass on to a friend uh, or, or a family member, and I become acquainted with the, the Jamaican experience. The Jamaican experience as it relates really to God, which, which, which is something fantastic. The short answer is November, December. And I hope by God's grace that, that the things that need to work out work out and you can have this book for your
0: it's a question which speaks to balance. So, you know, you work full-time, you have a young family, so... It's difficult when you have to work, you have to come in sometimes for long distances, spending extra time at work. What is the key for you to striking that balance? You know, balancing work, balancing family, balancing your own pursuits, your own need for alone time. You know, what is the key to your success in terms of balancing your time?
1: (laughs) I think the key is valuing what needs to be valued. In other words, prioritizing. It's as if we we never have time these days. There are millions, million things to do and so little time in which to do it. One of the things that I bank on is the understanding of my family. I try to spend as much time with my family as I can. However, it is not always possible and, and sometimes we're on different basically different time zones in our family but we try to make it work in that what and here is the key point to all, key point to all of that quality time spent together and that quality times oftentimes takes the form of worship whenever you can have worship with your family i think everything falls into place after that when you as a family can come together and you can Talk to the God who you, who you all value. When you can hear the children singing their favorite song, in a sense, the, the, the key to balance is, is God and making him first place and other things fall into place behind that.
0: Praise the Lord. So having God at the center is what yes. works. maybe two, three more questions that I will throw at you. The first one has to do with, you know, giving thanks, you know, showing an appreciation. Your journey has been rich both from the social sense and also the spiritual sense. So if you could single out, let me be generous and say four to five persons, you know, who you have met along your journey, not just your faith journey, but your life journey, you know, who would those persons be? And you could even say why, you know but don't run the list too long because you will run into trouble. (laughs) So you say five? Yes, four to five persons that you would want to, you know, show an appreciation for because of the impact they would have had on your life.
1: So this is not necessarily in order of importance. The first person, you've heard me speak of her for a bit, uh, my grandmother. Actually, she's my great-grandmother, but we just call her grandma. So my great-grandmother, she was my introduction to Christianity. And when you have somebody pinching you uh, when you fall asleep in church <laughs> at, at the age of six, then you have to be thankful to that person for keeping you awake. We had worship, and man, they were beautiful worship sessions. Some of the songs, when I came back in the church, They were on my lips. I knew the word of my maker and my king. To thee, my all I owe. My grandmother gave me that start that I needed and that early grounding, which I return to in terms of memory uh, sometimes. Uh, The the other person is a a very good friend of mine. His name is uh, Ryan Thompson. He has has a way of teaching teaching. When we were at work, this is in my, my, my years of, of being outside the church. I used to work with him. He would carefully weave a story, uh, weave a Bible story into the conversations we had. So he used to tell me about David without without really lecturing me about David. And many years after he used to do that, I realized that was what he was doing. It, it showed me the wisdom of God in, in causing somebody to teach you about God without forcing it on you. So he was influential. When I came in the church, I I told him thank you for carrying out those acts of teaching. The other individual is uh, Pastor Sadiqi Beckford. He introduced me to my wife, first of all. So you you have to be thankful and appreciative of a man like that. As a matter of fact, his wife is my wife's sister. So <laughs> he, he, he really helped, helped me out there. Uh, but aside from that, sometimes I would call him in order to pick his brain about how to preach. One of the things that I really wanted to, to learn was how to preach. And he was patient with me, or he has been patient with me, teaching me the ropes, introducing me to the, the books that I need to read the preachers that I need to pay attention to. He has been absolutely brilliant in educating me in in, in how to preach and the works. So I have to single him out. Uh, The other person uh, is, of course, my wife. We were two young people getting together, uh, trying to honor God, because that's something we, we see lacking these days. Nobody wants to honor God through being obedient and we often overlook obedience. That is, a young man would be in the church and he wants somebody outside of the church, which is the which is Bible totally, totally prohibits. And she, a young woman trying to be faithful to God. And God brought us together at the right time. She was the one who inspired me to go back to school. Um, that was a bit tricky, but she helped me. She encouraged me at nights when... When I would be at school, after work, after leaving work, I went to school. She would call me and keep my company, as we say, as I headed home. And, and some of those memories are, are, are stuck in my mind. I really, really appreciate her. Somebody who showed me that I am valuable. We're speaking about human to human. She showed me that I'm, I'm, I'm valuable. And I'm glad that God gave me that woman, right? I probably wouldn't love a, another woman the way I love her. And, and she has shown me her fear share of love. The fifth person, uh, it, it's tricky. Let me name a, a few people for this fifth, fifth person. There was a time that I was going through some, some difficult times. And one Friday evening, I saw a message come on my phone. The message said, God is too wise. To be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. When he can't trace his hand, that's how it goes. Trust his heart. And when I looked at the person who sent that message, when I looked at, you see, you know the words, when I looked at the message, it was sent by you on one Friday evening. Yes, you were the one who sent me that message. And the fact that I remember it about 10 years later suggests that it was a valuable moment. Uh, it was a difficult time, and and you sent that message. And I, I realized that the words that uh, from that song are taken from a sermon, I think, from uh, Charles, preacher Charles Spurgeon, uh, somebody who I, I really, really like uh, looking at his quotes and some of the things that he has written. The fifth person is you alongside uh, Mrs. Terry Long in high school, And a few other friends who I I can't remember now, but people have made me what I am today and I'm thankful for that.
0: It's a good one. We are able to give thanks and to show an appreciation, especially when persons are able and capable of hearing that. And, you know, Pastor Sadiq Beckford, his influence in your life. I know him quite well. Yes, I, I look forward to interfacing with him. So I look forward to you connecting us even though we are connected already, you know. That
1: shouldn't be a problem.
0: Yes. So in in essence, you have a younger big brother.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely.
0: (laughs) The last question I'll throw at you has to do with, you know, projecting for the future. What is it that you feel that God is inviting you to do just now? So if you could start something new or just to expand on what you have started already, what would it be? And then, you know, who would be the beneficiaries of that project, that undertaking or that expansion?
1: I am at the point in my Christianity where I am seeing the need to spread the gospel. I remember how I felt not having the the connection with Christ. While I was in the world, it was a terrible feeling terrible everyday anxiety, stress, worries. My aim is to let people know, especially young men, that there is a better way than running in gangs. There's a better way than being caught up with women. There's a better way than that. There is a better way. God's way is always the best way. So my intention is to let young men especially know that God wants them to fight on his side of the battle. How I'll accomplish that, I am not really sure, but what I hope to do is allow writing because I believe that God has given me that gift, which is a powerful gift if Nurtured and used in the right way. So, my prayer is that God will help me to realize exactly how to make this gift uh, be maximized in terms of the effect it can have on people, especially young men. I am thinking about going into journalism, but I do not want to do the run of the mill journalism. I want God to show me how to get it done. I know I have the adventist institution which is the northern caribbean university to help me in achieving that goal so i am thinking about attending that university and by god's grace that lives will be truly impacted as god uses me
0: indeed he will you know let's much when god is in it i mean there are so many hopes i could share but Importantly, since we have been studying for this new quarter about, you know, the crucible of Christ, and we look at the start at uh, Psalm 23, it tells us that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And later we are told that he provides just about what we need. So we can trust God to allow that to unfold. Today I want to say thanks. My guest today has been Tarun Bernard. He serves his local church, the Golden Springs Seventh Adventist Church as a lay evangelist, but of course he's a writer and while he has not yet published his production, we look forward to that being done. Just before we go, Brother Jaron, do you have any parting word, maybe for a minute to share with the audience?
1: Uh, Yes. Firstly, I'm at the point where I I, am looking to converse with individuals from overseas, from right across the world so uh, if you need to find me uh, where we can have a conversation, we, you can find me on Facebook, at uh, Tyrone Bernard, as simple as that, or on Instagram at uh, tyronebernard.716. That's tyronebernard.716. But my appeal would be to those who are struggling, the encouragement will come in the form of words, don't give up. Do not give up. We're seeing things shaping up now as if something grand is going to happen. I believe that Satan is about to make his big move, but God is about to make his greater move. So do not give up. If you're an Adventist, that is what you ought to be, God's last day people. And to those who haven't joined the faith yet, whether it be somebody, we'll we'll listen to this in the future. Get on God's side. The outcome of the battle has already been determined. Christ is the winner. Victory belongs to Jesus, as the songwriter says. Get on board with Christ. The struggles that you you have gone through, the difficulties, the problematic life, God can take care of that. And being on God's side, is definitely the best thing to do because God is the champion of the world and all the worlds that exist.
0: God is a champion of the world and all the worlds that exist. You've been in tuned to Upward Way. Do join us again next week when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Subscribe to weekly episodes on the Apple, AWR, Lord Voice, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podcast Guru apps. You're also welcome to visit Upward Way Facebook page. Click like and leave a comment. Until then, I'm Marlon Walter saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.